Today, I have the pleasure of having a conversation with the fierce empathy coach, David Waldy. After nearly taking his own life and experiencing a divine wake-up call, David left his corporate career to reinvent himself, rebuild his life, rebuild his family, and redefine what was possible in his personal and professional future. He now empowers leaders and men all over the world with his philosophy of fierce empathy, which enables us to look in the mirror, face the facts, and confront the challenges that hold us back from success, fulfillment, and aligned abundance. As a husband, father, and Kansas farm boy at heart, David believes that personal and professional success is determined by our adherence to the four pillars of fierce empathy, clarity, constructs, commitments, and consistency. And I am proud to be able to have this conversation with David on the Dad's Making a Difference podcast on how you can implement those four pillars into your life so that you too can find success, fulfillment, and aligned abundance. This conversation on the DMD podcast with David Waldy starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. David, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast. Brother, it is good to see you today. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Man, Cam, dude, I'm so excited for today's conversation. Thank you for having me, brother. Of course. You know, David, I've been following some of your work and listening to some of the conversations you've had with people who I admire and follow as well, people who've been past guests on this. And you are, and you're a speaker. There's no, there's no doubt about that. You're a professional speaker. And what I mean by that, David, is I appreciate your ability to word things and say things in a way that touch people. You know, like touch people deep in their heart, uh, challenge them emotionally, challenge them physically and mentally. And that's why I wanted to have you on is because I know that you can speak to the men in this community in a way that nobody else can. So I appreciate you. Thank you for being here. You're incredibly kind. Thank you, Cam. David, I want the guys who are listening to this right now, and we have some women who listen to this and pass it on to their husbands and say, yeah, you need to listen to this. <laughs> you know, so um, why don't you share... Man, you got quite the story. So why don't you share a bit about your story? Because I think a lot, your growing up process, man, I listened to your story and there's a lot of parallels, but I think it it points to who the man you've become and the challenges that you've faced have really shaped you into this amazing leader. So why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Thank you, brother. Yeah. So I'm a Kansas farm boy at heart. I grew up in the smack dab middle of the United States and my dad was a veterinarian. Mom was a teacher. Uh, just a middle-class family. You know, I, I grew up for those that are familiar with, uh, the Andy Griffith show, uh, a good oldie, uh, I was effectively Opie Taylor. So I would wake up and I can remember as a kid fishing pole on one shoulder, BB gun on the other shoulder, dog by my side. I'm just going out to <laughs> into, uh, into the country just to have fun, go fishing and, and try and shoot squirrels or whatever. But it was, uh, it was a beautiful childhood, uh, despite a lot of stuff that, that, at the time, I think most of us, when we look back, there are things that we loved and there are things that either we hated or that we potentially blocked out. And for me, there was a lot that happened in my childhood that uh, I know now my brain was protecting me from, but those things came up much later in, in therapy and in coaching and working with mentors and just the challenges of life. And then you start looking back and you realize, holy cow, um, my parents, they I know they did the best that they could, but wow, there's some stuff, <laughs> there's some stuff there that happened. And so, uh, fast forward, I graduated high school, had done really, really well in education. I graduated with a full ride academic scholarship that, uh, I turned down. I decided that college wasn't the path for me and it definitely caught my parents off guard. My mom was the first in her entire family to go to college. My dad had his, as a veterinarian, you know, went all the way through the doctoral program. So advanced degree and for their son to say, Hey, I am not going to pursue this path. Uh, it was a hard time. 
it was a really, really, really hard time. And so I decided to move to South Carolina, which is where I've been for the last 15 years. And I went to an internship program that was focused on leadership development, interpersonal communication, strengths development, community, uh, a lot of different components. And I was really on on track to becoming a pastor, Kim. Like I, that was the route. I was taking Bible college classes, learning all of the fun homiletics and hermeneutics and pneumatology and a bunch of bunch of crazy stuff, you know, trying to understand Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. But uh, I've always had what I would consider to be a, a pastor's heart. But it became very, very clear to me that my uh, my calling was not within the four walls of a church. I, I love the church. Uh, my wife and I, we actually led, we, um, or we, we met leading worship for uh, youth church, which was pretty cool. And I, uh, and I just, I had such a, a critical, a critical moment that was in my mid twenties where I, I experienced my, my wake up call, if you want to call it that again, I uh, felt like my childhood was pretty good. There was some stuff that was was rough. Um, I do remember distinctly that I never saw my parents intimate. I mm-hmm. never saw them kiss. I never saw affection in the home. Um, and so growing up, I think all of us can probably agree to it. You just, you have the model that you have. You don't know that that model's broken. You don't know that that model's good or bad. You don't know much of it until you become older and you look back and you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm not going to take that. That was good. That was not, not so good. Yeah. And for me, Cam, the, everything kind of came to a head. Uh, this was five, yeah, five, almost six years ago. I ended up in front of my bathroom mirror with a Glock in my hand, ready to end my life. I was about 60 pounds heavier than I am right now. I was dealing with constant suicidal ideation, anxiety, panic attacks, and life just freaking sucked, man. It, it really, really, really sucked at that point. And it was all because of, um, some things that I'm sure we'll get into today around perspective, my relationship with myself, uh, the commitments and decisions I was making, the habits that I had. And I'll never forget that standing there in the mirror, I and I know a lot of people might disagree with this or think this is outlandish, but I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that God spoke to me in that moment. It wasn't an audible voice, but I could feel it in my bones. And there was a few things he said to me, which which shifted everything. He said, David, I can't fix this for you, which is not something you want to hear from God. <laughs> right, Cam? You're like, right. like oh, oh, okay. Yeah. What, what does that mean? And I remember just standing there shaking, like, I can't fix this for you, but I have given you the tools in your head and your heart, your mind and your heart. You get to decide. You get to commit you get to become. And there was a pause. Then I heard him say, I am with you and I am for you. And in that moment, Cam, I, I really came to terms with, with reality. It was, it was a moment where I broke down crying because I had been carrying it all. I had felt like I checked all the boxes, right? Good husband good father, good worker, right? I had done really well in my sales career. I built an entire career uh, focused on sales, which is where I ended up getting into coaching and consulting is that I um, I started teaching, training and, and doing all these different things. But I had become a top 1% producer in a $400 million a year company. Millions and millions of dollars in face-to-face sales. I put in the 10,000 hours. Apparently 10,000 hours is supposed to make you an expert. Still don't feel like an expert, but <laughs> I, I put in the time. And what I found through that process, Cam, was that everything since I was a child, that culture and society had said is success. And what you're supposed to do, happy wife, happy life, you know, do the things that you find fulfilling, only pursue what you're passionate about, find the calling for your life, find your purpose, like all this stuff, it really came to a head where I had to go through a process of completely dismantling my entire belief system on how the world was and how the world could be. And, and so having the transition point was, it was a really pivotal moment for me because I had a mentor of mine. She had approached me and she said, David, uh, have you ever done coaching before? I'm like coaching. I'm like, what do you mean? What's coaching? <laughs> right? Like soccer coach, football coach. I've had lots of coaches. Yeah. 
Now, this individual, she's been extraordinarily successful in her career, and she actually serves as an advisor to uh, the board of one of the largest companies in the world. I, I don't want to say the name. I want to protect her privacy, but um, needless to say, like this is a uh, multi-hundred billion dollar company. And she was serving in a, in, a, in a coaching consulting role, and she was tasked with developing an executive coaching program that was going to be about $300,000. And she came to me and she said, I have to have five case studies. If I coach you for the next six months, will you help me make sure I've fleshed all this out wow. before I have to present it to the board of directors? Mm -hmm. I was like, people pay how much for coaching? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so at the time though, Cam, it was a, I, I say all this because there were so many things happening at the same time. I had gotten married. Um, my wife and I, we've been married almost 10 years now. I had, uh, we had our first child. And so this was, this was again, uh, late twenties. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm 33 now still feel, you know, young, <laughs> which is nice, but everything came to a head in this moment where, where she was sitting at lunch with me, this mentor of mine. And she asked me a question that caught me off guard. She asked me this question and said, David, who do you want to become? Because she looked at my life and she saw something in me that I didn't see. She saw something inside of me. I, I I always felt like I was I was the good guy. I was the nice guy. I worked hard. And I had been working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, Cam, managing a team, generating millions of dollars in sales. And I realized that I had never given myself permission to define success for myself or fulfillment for myself. I had just unknowingly adopted all of these things that we all do. And like I said, started just checking the boxes, but never feeling good enough. Always feeling like I wasn't good enough. I couldn't do enough. I couldn't produce enough. I couldn't make my wife happy. Uh, I couldn't make myself happy. And to the point where I hated the man that I saw in the mirror, I would look at myself in the mirror, with, not just physically and be disgusted, but like disgusted by what I saw in my eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of secret stuff behind the scenes, vices and addiction and things like that. Um, suffice it to say, and we'll, we'll pick it up from here. That moment in the bathroom, it was uh, 2018. That's where I finally made the decision that I was going to use what I believed God had given me, which was my mind and my heart to make the necessary changes. And since that day, man, it has been an absolute roller coaster. I don't, I don't recognize that man anymore. I'm not that man anymore. <laughs> and there's been some really cool things along the way. Several businesses started cool opportunities, gotten to speak on stages with world renowned thought leaders, been able to travel all over the world, which has been weird and amazing. Had a couple more babies and here we are today, brother. <laughs> here we are today. Well, first of all, there's so much to unpack there, but I think first of all, as a guy who heard that you're only 33 and I said only 33, because <laughs> I, uh, I mean, senior by about 10 years, um, I, I gotta, I don't want to say, give you props, but I want to show you respect and say how amazing it is that you have come to where you are knowing that you've gone through this and you call it this critical moment in your life where you stood in front of the mirror thinking about taking your life and you've gotten to this point where people come through that like people have amazing stories where they've overcome suicidal ideation they've overcome these things but not everyone who's overcome that has taken it the next step to say i am going to make a large impact i'm going to impact others so they don't end up where i'm at so i gotta hand that to you man that's that takes a lot of work it takes a lot of internal work to be able to do that so um Thank you. Can we unpack something here? Because I think your story, even though I'm older than you, uh, parallels uh, some of the things that I've experienced in my life. And I have a couple of questions for you. I think about Bible school and how I went to a Christian high school. I went to one year of Bible school with the intention of being a youth pastor. And I bailed <laughs> after one year. It wasn't my jam. Like, it, And I don't know what it was about that environment, um, but it was. I felt that the environment was like a bubble and I had to escape it. Yeah. And there probably was a healthier way to escape it than the way I chose to. Uh, luckily for me, sports took me out of that. Basketball took me to another university, another college, um, but also sent me on a turmoil about 13 years where I didn't step foot into a church. Um, for you, a little bit about your story, you said you didn't feel that you were called to 
be a pastor anymore. But I, I'm sure in that time frame, 2000, you said it was 2018, this critical moment, like what happened in between like, hey, I'm going to be a pastor to I'm standing in front of a mirror right now. I'm going to take my life. Yeah. It was 10 years. Those 10 years I call the dark ages. Mm. It was literally, I had no idea who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know um, much else other than I knew what I didn't want. And I find that that's true for a lot of men in, in, in our society is that we're not taught to define an aim. We're not taught to, to create a noble intention for our life. Sometimes we're taught to set like micro goals. Like if you work in a company, you might have KPIs, right? You've got your key performance indicators. You've got certain metrics and targets and and all that fun stuff. And uh, what I find is really interesting is, is, is you and I both share uh, an affinity for sports. So in college, um, I'm sorry, but not college, because I'll have to share about college. College, I only went for an entire semester. I was like, screw this, I'm out. <laughs> and that was after, that was afterwards. Um, yeah. But in high school, I played every single sport, man. Like everything that I could, football, soccer, basketball, tennis, even play golf. And I was actively involved in my church. I, I I didn't realize at the time that my high school years and then as I graduated and went through my 20s, that all I was trying to do was fill my time with anything and everything that I could to keep me from having to confront the realities that were were leading to this deep internal dissatisfaction that started to, over time, it... I mean, probably the best example is that it just started to get moldy, right? Like if you visualize a a piece of fruit and you just leave it on the counter and you don't address it, you don't take care of it, you don't wash it, you don't put it in the fridge or or whatever, the thing's not going to last very long before it just starts to get overtaken. And that's what was happening inside of me is that there was just this poison inside of me that that caused me to start projecting everything. I started to look outside of myself for any form of internal satisfaction. So I looked to my wife, looked to my daughter, looked to my job. I started doing what many of us do is you just start to find your identity in other things, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I'm a this, I'm a that, yeah. I'm a whatever, right? Yeah. And so for me, that period when again, when I graduated and I, I did two years in the, this internship program, that awareness came from what I felt like was, was somewhat of a vision is that I knew that I was called in some way, shape or form to lead men. I didn't feel worthy of it. I didn't feel like I was qualified, especially at that age. I was like, there's no way, man, <laughs> nobody's yeah. going to listen to me or anything. But I, m- more than that, it wasn't to lead men because I had this egotistical desire to be a, a leader. It actually terrified me. I was like, no, no, no. But I felt very clearly that that what I was supposed to do was to operate as a bridge builder between what we might call religion and, mm-hmm. and the world, right? Yeah. Is to operate in this place where I could hold space for people that disagree, where I could hold space for people with opposing beliefs rather than being extraordinarily closed-minded and dogmatic to do what I, I believe Jesus did. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go hang out with the people that everyone says you're not supposed to hang out with. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I did <laughs> that too. Them, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just love them. Yeah. And so fast forward that that 10-year period, it was a lot of just survival, man. I had been trying to pursue this definition of success in the midst of just trying to survive. And I achieved it by the time I was 25, Cam. Yeah. I got the glass corner office, the company car, the six-figure salary, the house, the car, the wife, the kid. And that was when I started to realize that I had been lied to. Maybe someone hadn't intentionally lied to me, but culturally, socially, uh, you know, all of the things growing up that I had been lied to, that everything that everyone said was the pursuit of the American dream or to create a successful life. I realized I didn't want those things. I never had wanted those things. I just had pursued them because I thought that was was going to make me happy. And I want to go back and tie some things together that you said, because you said something that I wrote, I, I paraphrased it, but you were filling your time as a distraction. And then you went on to say how there were things in your life where you were dissatisfied. So I just wrote, 
distraction from dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. And so I think so many men suffer from this distraction from dissatisfaction where that you mentioned earlier about checking the boxes, about measuring up and how they can't, I love how you said hold space. They can't hold space to who they truly want to become, mm -hmm. who they truly want to become, not what everybody's telling them, not what society expects of them, not what their religion or their faith or their community says they have to do or that they're called to do, but what, yeah. who they want to become and the role they want to fulfill. Yeah. How do men right now, because this is a big topic, is how do men right now who are struggling with this dissatisfaction, they're looking to distract themselves and they're finding it in all types of areas, man. They're finding it in, in alcohol, drugs, they're finding it in pornography they're finding it in all types of these vices to distract them from what they're dissatisfied from because they are feeling so overwhelmed right now with the expectations they feel that are put on their shoulders to be a good dad to provide for their family while also taking care of their physical health while also being a loving husband while also being a great professional and being a leader and being the man they need to be like how do men hold space to be able to dig into who they really want to be Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dad's making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. This is one of those questions that, and for anyone listening, if, if, if you need to pause this and you need to come back to this, um, what I want to share here is not just something that's transformed my life. I've literally seen it transform the lives of countless, countless men, countless individuals. Because if we start at the foundation the question, the first question that I, because people say this all the time, Cam, I'm sure you hear it. What do I need to do to fix my health? What do I need to do to fix my marriage? Mm -hmm. What do I need to do to make more money? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? That's, that's typically the, the, the surface level question that pops up. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I pride, how do I fix this? Yeah. How do I fix yeah. this? And one of the things that I pride myself in is that I'm grateful for is that I, I love asking questions. And so anytime I ask a question, I always look at it and say, is there a better way to ask that question? Or is there a deeper question underneath that, that led to that question, right? And so if we if we take, for example, this dissatisfaction from distraction, right? Sometimes it's not those sinister vices like the porn, the alcohol, drug use, or whatever. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes yeah. it's the news. Yeah. Sometimes it's just doing these things like for, you know, I grew up hunting and fishing for a lot of guys, as much as I love hunting and fishing for there, there's a lot of guys, they're just running away. Yep. It's the only time that they can find, okay, I don't have any, I don't have to worry about anything, but the, like ripping lips, man, mm -hmm. <laughs> or looking through my pinos, trying to figure out, okay, where's that deer coming out of that Turkey or whatever. Yeah. And what I realized, Cam, was that I was just, I was asking questions. Like we all ask questions, like what the heck, what is going on? Why, why is this this way? But the deeper question that came out of this was this foundational understanding around what you just said, defining the man that we want to become. So the question, how do you define the man that you want to become? There's some deeper questions there and some deeper questions is like, okay, why would it be useful to define that? Number one, right? Mm -hmm. What is the process to becoming, to actually becoming that man? That's where those questions of what do I need to do come into place. But for me, the hardest one, Cam, centered around this thing we call permission. I did not know 
that I had permission to define the man that I wanted to be. And here's why. And if everyone listening can stick with me here for a second, I promise this will be worth it. I grew up conditioned to believe that it was my job to find my purpose, Mm -hmm. to discover my calling, to call it meaning, purpose, passion, whatever. I had believed that that was not necessarily someone else's responsibility. Cam, what I believed was that that was God's job. It's God's job to tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life. It's God's job to to tell me what my purpose is. And I had spent almost 15 years immersed in the church, Cam. I'll keep this PG. (laughs) Pissed. Yeah. At the church and at God, because every freaking day, my prayer was, God, why am I here? Mm -hmm. Just tell me what I'm supposed to be doing with my life and I'll go freaking do it. Mm -hmm. Just show me. And that came out of a lot of frustration because I kept seeing all these people that were going off and doing these big things. They're like, oh, I'm going to go be a doctor or I'm going to go join the Peace Corps or I'm going to go into, you know, working with veterans or I'm going to go do whatever it was. Right. They knew. Why didn't I know? Right. Because I felt like I was an okay dad. Mm-hmm. I was an okay husband. I definitely wasn't a bad one. Right. <laughs> we look at ourselves and we justify we're like, I know I'm not a bad dad, but I don't necessarily feel like I could look myself in the eyes and say I'm a good dad. Right. Good husband, whatever. And so this question of who do you want to become? was an impossibility for me, Kim. It was not a question that I felt I had permission to answer. So it was an impossible question. And so what I always encourage men to do is is to start first and foremost by looking at your life and taking an inventory of what you're dissatisfied with. Look at your health, look at your relationship, look at your financial situation, look at your work. And this is a very simple exercise. You can literally just take a sheet of paper and just like be as petty as you want to be. Give yourself permission to be a petty little boy for a moment. Be like, <laughs> yeah. here's everything yeah. I wanted to complain about in my life and yeah. just write it all out, right? And then what I have people do is I say on the right-hand side of the page or on another piece of paper, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to take that list of everything and you can chunk it down. Again, pick your three main buckets, health, wealth, relationships, Get as granular as you want, right? And on the other page or the other side of the page, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to write out what you do want instead. If you don't know what you do want, just write the opposite. Mm -hmm. Just write the exact opposite of what you're dissatisfied with. And what this starts to do is give us an indication of what is out of alignment, And the reason I struggle with this word alignment, Cam, is because there are so many people that are preaching and teaching is like all about alignment and feel good and da, 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 da. And I'm like, no, the problem is, is if you don't have the aim defined, if you don't know the target you're shooting at, if you don't know the man that you want to become, there is no freaking way on this planet you can create any type of alignment with anything other than your feelings. Hmm. And your feelings will perpetually dissatisfy you and let you down because your feelings are built into you because of programmed habits, beliefs, and thinking patterns, which keep getting the same result over and over and over with just marginal increases, right? And so this question of who do you want to become, for anyone listening, if you start this exercise, you'll start to be able to get crystal clear on this is the husband I want to be. This is the father I want to be. This is the leader I want to be, the entrepreneur. And then, then what you can start to do is create alignment because now every single day, and Cam, I know you know this, you look at that man and you say, if he wouldn't do it, I don't do it. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't snooze, I don't snooze. If he goes to the gym, I go to the gym. If when I walk through the door, I have a smile on my face and I bring joy and peace and laughter into my family, then that's what I do today. And you start to adopt this persona. And there's a lot that we could go into there by visualizing the man that you want to be and forcing yourself to say, regardless of how I feel, I'm going to make this decision because I want to become that man. 
And you do that for long enough. It took me about two and a half years, Cam. I remember writing this down, writing. I was doing an exercise with my mentor. She had me do this exercise. And then there was another one. She said, I want you to write out your ideal day. Yeah. It's like ideal day, like Disney world. Like, can I just like write down the whole day? And she said, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> but no lines, <laughs> like a, re a real day that includes work, includes family, includes meals. Like what would your ideal day yeah. be? And I wrote this down, Cam, and I did this, both these exercises and I laughed, brother. I was like, this is a freaking joke. There is no way. There's no way that I can become this man. And there is no way that this life could be mine. Two and a half years later, sitting in my living room and I find the journal entry that I'd forgotten about. And instead of laughing this time, because I think it's absolutely idiotic, I start weeping. I'm sitting in my chair and I start weeping because I am reading line by line my exact current reality. I had created that because of this process of debt. It's not a one month. It's not a 30 day. It's not a 90 day. This is a commitment that you have to make for your life by saying, I am going to eliminate everything and anything that is in my life that isn't in alignment with that man, regardless of how I feel. And that's the way that you start to get clear on what you want to change. And and I, I, I if you'll refresh me, go back to that question. I don't know if that was that was a very long-winded answer no, <laughs> for a while. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. And I actually want to carry on with what you're saying because you you talked about that exercise. You're taking mm -hmm. an inventory, health, relationships, work, and you're just going through the list. And you said, be as petty as you want. And then you make another column. It guys, if you're listening to this, I'm gonna tell you right now I struggle with this. It is I, I'm not doing this, David, because I have all the answers, right? <laughs> Neither of us are doing this because we have all the answers. We're here to help. I definitely do not have all yeah. the right answers. <laughs> yeah. But I want, I want to be very honest and transparent here. It's very easy for me to fill out the first column. Hmm. And when you get to the second column and you're like, what do you really want to become? Yeah. I bet so many men get stumped. And I'm glad you said, just write the opposite. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't even know the opposite of our discomfort is. And so I think this is such a valuable exercise, guys, please it, come back to this, listen to this again, this last you know few minutes, walk through this exercise because just the practice of thinking about your own growth, about where you are right now, why you are dissatisfied, why you're distracted, where you're uncomfortable. The next step, man, that's a powerful step. I'm, I'm thankful that you shared that because, um, can I, two, can I give yeah, two yeah, yeah, practical yeah. examples real quick, Cam? So Absolutely. Here's, here's how we use that opposite. Say you feel disconnected from your wife. You're not having the amount of sex that you want. And when you do, you feel like she's just doing it because she's yeah. fulfilling the obligation. When really what you want is you want to be wanted by her. You want her to like run up, rip your clothes off, like, you know, boobies on the face, whole nine yards, right? Like go to town. You want to be wanted by your wife. And I say that, I know we can laugh about it, but the fact of the matter is you ask the average dude, if he's happy about his sex life and he's not yeah. like the average husband. And so if you were to write down, I want more sexual intimacy or, or I, I you know, what you're dis dissatisfied with, I'm dissatisfied with our level of sexual intimacy. I'm dissatisfied with our level of connection, right? The opposite, right? All we write on the other side is that we have incredible sexual intimacy and our connection is unparalleled, right? Something like that, because here's what happens. And you can do the same thing with your kids. You do the same thing with your health. Like if you, you say, I, you know, I'm dissatisfied with the fact that I'm always distracted when I'm with my kids. Like, I know that that sucks. I know I'm on my phone I, and I don't know why I keep doing it. You write the opposite, being present with your kids, being, you know, sexually intimate with your wife. When you can see that, what you need to do, the questions you're currently asking for what you need to do to fix it, it become crystal clear because now you say, okay, how can I create sexual intimacy with my wife? Now you have some more information to say, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. But if I want that, I need to figure out how to do that. And it's, you start to learn and you start to understand. And so the little things that we need to do, I have found they actually emerge from within the weeds. Like they rise to the surface. It's that, you know, a great example is gold, that dross, right? The gold purification process is rising to the surface so you can scrape it off and say, this is the thing that's holding me back. This is the thing that's keeping me from it. Now I know exactly what I need to do. I need to put my freaking phone in the bedroom when I walk through the door. 
so I can be present with my kids. I need to sit and have conversations with my wife and get to know her and understand her and find out what makes her tick and how she works and what she likes, what she does. I need to rediscover her. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do gets clear when we start to define who we want to become. I just wanted to throw that in there as a practical example for this exercise. Appreciate it. So good. And you, you mentioned something that I think is really important, guys. Regardless of how I feel, hmm. I, I'm just going to say, regardless of how I feel, what what does that look like, David? Because there's a lot of guys, I don't feel like doing this right now. I don't feel like doing the work right now. But regardless of how I feel, what do you mean when you say that? So what's really interesting is that there's a lot of men who say, like, they struggle with discipline, right? But what I find is that most men don't struggle with discipline. They're just focusing their discipline in very unique areas. So if you think about the guy who never misses the football game, he shows up for his team every Saturday, your discipline, right? The guy who never misses turning on the news, the guy who always snoozes, right? You can take this positively or negatively. We are incredibly disciplined for the things that we prioritize in our lives. When we prioritize something, right, it doesn't matter how we feel. Okay, I'm going to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Are there days, brother, where you don't feel in love with your wife? <laughs> there are days. There, there are, days. are days. Yeah. Do you still do what you said you would do? And are you the man that you said that you would be to love her regardless of how you feel? Absolutely. I try my hardest to do that. Right. Right. I I work to do that. Yeah. You work to do that. I know you get this. And for, for every one of us, like for everyone listening, feelings are part of a cycle. Okay. Our beliefs lead to our thoughts. Our thoughts lead to our feelings and our feelings lead to our actions. And then the cycle repeats itself. Your actions then inform your beliefs. And so like a simple example is that if you believe that you can, um, should say you said basketball, right? If you believe you can make the free throw, right? Then what you're going to do is you're going to go through your thinking patterns. Like, let me think about like my form, right? Which you hopefully have practiced, right? Think about your form and it's going to come up. It's going to cause feelings, right? Mm -hmm. I feel confident in this, or I don't feel confident in this. And then you're going to take the shot, right? The action. And then if you miss the shot, now it's going to affect your belief your belief for the next time and the next time and the next time. But where feelings are so incredibly important, this all comes down to emotional intelligence Mm. is that if we don't understand ourselves, how in the world can we possibly hope to understand other people? If we're not creating an environment for ourselves where we can be vulnerable with ourselves, where we can feel seen by ourselves, where we can feel loved by ourselves, I call it self-empathy. Mm-hmm. And you have to have this, it's what I often call fierce empathy. You've got to be fiercely committed to creating an environment where you see, hear, and understand yourself by asking yourself the tough questions, mm-hmm. looking in the mirror and being kind and loving and forgiving and recognizing that the feelings that we have are nothing more than a manifestation of the choices, decisions, actions, and behaviors. And here's what I mean by that. I'll try and simplify. I know I'm kind of talking in circles here. No, this is good. This is good. For our feelings, we have to remember that in order to create a specific result, it has nothing to do with feelings and everything to do with subconscious programming. It's how the mind is wired. We do things without thinking, like when you get in the car and you drive, If you've been driving for any period of time, you're not actively thinking about push down the gas, push the brake, shift it into gear, turn left, turn right. You are doing it intuitively. It's something that is, it it doesn't matter how you feel. You just drive. You just drive. And so you have to separate your feelings from your habits, your routines, the things that we need to do in order to create different results. And the only way that that happens, and I know you'll love this example, Cam, is it's very much like going to the gym and exercising. You are putting your body under a measurable amount of stress 
to create tension when your body doesn't feel like it, to create micro tears in your muscles, hypertrophy, whatever, right? We can get as nerdy as we want on this stuff in order for you to get better, in order for you to get stronger. And you are subjecting your body to discomfort. And that is exactly what has to happen in life in every other arena. We have to willingly submit ourselves to the process of discomfort. And when we do that consistently, it becomes a discipline. When it becomes a discipline, it becomes devotion. And when you are devoted to something, your feelings don't matter. Hmm. So it's overcoming these feelings in the beginning by saying, regardless of how I feel, this is the dad I'm going to be. Regardless of how I feel, this is the husband I'm going to be. It has nothing to do with how my kids interact and relate to me. It has nothing to do with how my wife relates to me or the world. This is the man that I'm going to be. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're constantly living in what feels like the state of never being able to please and satisfy everyone because you're living an extreme version of self-sacrificially. You're trying to make your wife happy. You're trying to make your kids happy. You're trying to make your boss happy. So you're constantly putting on masks, which is freaking exhausting, being who you need to be in the moment to keep the peace rather than saying, no, this is the man that I show up as. They're free to be whoever they want to be. But this is this is who I am. And I have a buddy of mine named Cody Jefferson, and I st steal this quote from him all the time. This is who I am. So this is what I do. Mm -hmm. Period. That's it. Yeah. This is who I am. So this is what I do. And when you do that and you submit yourself to the process of discomfort, just like when you first start going to the gym, if you haven't been in a while, it's not going to be comfortable and you're going to feel like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to get on the wrong machine and do an exercise and the trainer's going to come over and be like, yo, that's not how you use this machine. Just yeah. FYI. <laughs> this is how I use this machine. What are you talking right? about? <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm doing. I got this, bro. That discomfort. Yeah. develops the discipline and the discipline develops the devotion. And when you have stepped into the zone of devotion is where it's become a part of your identity. And now you do it habitually, just like driving the car. You do it mm -hmm. without thinking about it. Cam, I know you exercise now and your feelings don't even come into play. And you might have a day, right? We're all given a day. We all have human days, but it's not a repeat pattern. It's not something that you don't let it go two days. You don't let it go three days. Right. Unless you've consciously chosen and said, yeah, I'm I'm not going to do this for this period of time because it's so programmed into you. It's now weird if you don't work out. Right. And that's how I tell people is like, if it's weird for you to do the thing, right, if it's weird for you to go to the gym, then you know what your habit is. Your habit is not going to the gym. If it's weird for you to not go to the gym, now you know that that's your habit. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyways, hopefully that's useful. Um <laughs> It's so good. There's so much in this episode to unpack, but we have 45 minutes, not four hours, <laughs> but man, <laughs> I could just like, I could chat with you forever. I'm, I'm encouraging you. If you're listening to this right now that you're going to re-listen to this because there are multiple things that David has shared in this conversation that will make a huge impact, not only on your relationships and in your life and you becoming the man that you want to be, or you believe you're meant to be, but you are going to become the dad that you want to be. And David, I know that you're a dad. And mm -hmm. I always am curious to the guys who come on who are fathers to ask them this question. This is like the only question I ask every single guest. I love it. As a dad, as a mm -hmm. husband, but as a dad and husband right now, what is one area of growth that you are excited about or that you're digging into right now? The biggest area of growth that I'm digging into right now that I actually feel like I'm I'm getting to a new level in this lesson, which has been really cool. And I know with new level, new devil, I know there's going to be new challenges. Yeah. But in parenting in particular, the thing that I have been focused on most is what are my kids teaching me about myself? Mm -hmm. Every time they trigger me, every time they tick me off, every time I get bothered, every time I get frustrated, every time that I get annoyed. Every time that I snap at them or I'm rude to them or I raise my voice at them or I'm too assertive, right, too authoritarian, whatever it is, my prayer has been, Cam, and, and I'm so grateful that I've been learning this lesson, is that these things inside of our children, they're a mirror. You said earlier, and I think this might have been before we started recording, one of the things I love is, is about taking ownership, right? Mm -hmm. 
what I realized was that I was forfeiting my power to my kids. Just like we forfeit our power to our boss or to our wife or to whoever it is. And we don't realize that the lack of emotional control is a sign of, of, of immaturity. Is that if you want to be mature, if you want to feel like a man, knowing that you are a man, instead of what most men feel is that they're at an age or a point in life where they're supposed to feel like a man and they still feel like a little boy inside. I know what that feels like, but I also know now know what it feels like to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a good father. I'm a good husband. I'm a good leader. I could not do that for 30 years, Cam, because I thought it was pretentious. I was like, I'm not, a, it's just like those, the people talk about being heroes, right? Like when a, somebody's a hero, they're not allowed to call themselves a hero. Everyone yeah. else can call them a hero. Be like, oh yeah, I'm a hero. <laughs> yeah. no, I thought it was, I thought that it was not okay for me to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, you're a good father. But I could all day long look myself in the mirror and talk about how big a piece of trash father I was and beat myself up and tear myself down. But what I started to realize through this process is that my kids and my wife, are literally the greatest gift on this planet. And if you are a, a, a husband, you are a father, or you want to be, if you can hold your family in the right perspective, the right frame, they will be the richest blessing of your life. But the only way that you start to unpack those gifts is that you have to be radically committed to seeing, hearing, and understanding that everything about them that triggers you and bothers you and annoys you is an indication that there's an opportunity for you to develop maturity and grow, for your character to be refined. It is part of the forging process where you are, the sparks are flying, right? You pull out of the fire, you're the hammers beating the steel. If you feel like you're getting the beat out of you and you have this hammer on the steel, understand your perspective will change all of this. You can either get defensive and upset and frustrated and try and control, which is what we do. We try and dominate and control, or we become pushovers. Instead of being the wall that's reinforced, that no matter what life throws at us, no matter what our wives throw at us, our kids throw at us, we don't forfeit our power. We neither crush them, nor are we pushovers, but we stand in our power and that authority being a safe place, mm. being someone that is strong, being someone that is committed, being someone that seeks to understand. And what has been so freeing to me through this process, Cam, is that I feel like I've in the last like two years, just by looking at that through that frame, looking at my kids and looking at my wife is in the moment that it triggers anything. What do I need to learn here? What am I failing to take ownership of? Uh, bro, that, it's like a freaking peace hack. Like you want more peace in your life? Start taking that radical ownership. But remember that in taking that ownership, be careful you don't over internalize that and beat the crap out of yourself. Yeah. Man, thank you for sharing. Appreciate sure, that. Um, David, you do so much work uh, with men, uh, with all types of individuals, leadership coaching, all types of things. But with men specifically, you have something coming up. Uh, David, if somebody wants to learn more about you, about what you do, and you have a free gift and you have a lot of resources available, where can they find that? Yeah, so uh, easiest way to connect with me is just on social. I love hanging out on Instagram. Um, I try and check DMs when I can. <laughs> and, and it's uh, uh, it's an easy way to just connect. But you can go to my website, davidwaldy.com. Um, I've got a free gift called the Fierce Empathy Framework. It, it'll help you take a lot of these things that we've been talking about here and give you a step-by-step -step process. That's at fierceempathyframework.com. Uh, but it, like you said, Cam, the thing that I'm most excited about and uh, why I love this conversation is that you and I share this heart where, um, where we recognize we don't have all the right answers. But what we have figured out, we realize that we can't hold for ourselves. That if we're going to create transformational change in this generation and the lives and uh, the world that we see, as, as much as this isn't politically correct, I believe it starts with men. I believe that when men define with clarity who they want to become, which is what I love about uh, the DMD mastermind that we were sharing about, very similar to the heart of the ardent man, which is 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 the community that I've been blessed to steward. I know you have the DMD mastermind, which is our focus here is helping men to not make the same mistakes, 
for real accountability, radical vulnerability. Most of us, we suffer in isolation. We suffer. Mm -hmm. And so for anyone listening today, like I would love to connect with you, but more than anything, you're here and you listen to Cam. You already trust this man. Otherwise you wouldn't listen to this podcast. If you need help, you need to get on the phone with him. You need to get into his calendar. You need to schedule a time to see if how he can help. But Cam and I do some very similar work and the heart behind it is saying, look, we don't have all the right answers, but you and I also understand the importance of mentorship, of coaching. We have, we have men in our lives that we look to, that we're responsible to, that we are accountable to. And we've chosen that because we know that it helps us move faster, be more effective and to be better men. And so I would say to anyone listening, um, if you're isolated, you're the only one that can change it, brother. You're literally the only one that can change that. There's there's nobody going to come knock on your door and be like, yo, dude, come hang out with us. I know you might have that trauma from when you were a kid and left out at recess on the playground, <laughs> but I'm sorry. Like as, as tough as it is, you're going to have to make a decision to make a change and to get plugged in somewhere where you can be seen, you can be known, you can be loved. You don't have to have it all figured out, but that you are committed to the process of becoming better than you were yesterday. And that's where I think, Cam, you and I agree that a lot of men, they either have this unrealistic expectation of perfection or they just don't care at all. And I think what we're trying to target here is saying, like, dude, you don't got to be perfect, but you better be getting better every day. Like, that's it. Get better every day. (laughs) So, David, thank you for taking time today. Thank you for being here, speaking to our community. Uh, Man, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I'm looking forward to more conversations in the future, but uh, appreciate you. Thank you, Cam. It was an honor to be here, man. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you are a father listening to this right now, who is driven to build a life of significance, to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind, a mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.